So uh, what I want to talk about today for a few moments is I just want to point us to this idea. I've been talking about I identify as and really just looking at what our identity is in Christ. Uh, today I want to talk about the idea of I identify with God's heart. I identify with God's heart. And I think when we are sowing in to this Endeavor offering, it gives us a chance to enter in to the heartbeat of God for this world. If there's any scripture that you would know, even if you're you know, not a Bible reading kind of person, John 3.16 is the most familiar, right? For God so loved the world, in other words, he's not mad at the world, he loves the world, that he gave, everybody say gave, he gave his only begotten son. You, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. God's love caused him to give, and not only to give, but to give his very best, his son. You know, we know we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and Pastor Justin led us so greatly in thinking about that. Well, I just think about the sacrifice of Jesus leaving heaven to come to this sin-sick world for us. And here we are in a season where we are celebrating the Christmas story, the fact that God loved us so much that he would enter into our condition, our situation, a situation that we really created out of our own disobedience, Adam and Eve, right? And he, he enters the human condition. Most religion is man's attempt to seek after God. Christianity is God seeking out man. And it is God taking initiative. And I think there's a lot of truths that we can pull out of the Christmas story, but I would say at least a couple of them are this. God cares enough to take the initiative to reach out to us. Like he's God and we're not, but he's willing to reach out to us. And I think it's important to recognize in the Christmas story that when God wants to enter the world, he enters the world he created through the people he created. In other words, he could have just beamed Jesus down, right? But, he, but Jesus had to come through the virgin, Mary. Everything God does in the earth he, do, he does it through people. Sometimes we think God's going to do something like outside of us, but the truth is whatever God wants to do in the earth, he's going to find a man, he's going to find a woman, he's going to find a church that'll say, I'll take on what you want done and let it be done through me, through us. God enters the world, enters the earth through people. The earth belongs to people. He's given us as earth dwellers authority and responsibility in the earth. So whatever God wants to do in the earth, he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through me. 
Genesis 12, 2 talks about this is Abraham and God is speaking to him and saying, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make your name great so you shall be a blessing. It's God's promise to Abraham, but it's also God's promise to you and me. And it's the simple idea, but the profound idea that God wants to bless you to enable you to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Uh, the Bible teaches blessing. The Bible teaches prosperity with the understanding that it's there to enable generosity. Prosperity that stops at me, prosperity that stops at you is not real biblical prosperity. God doesn't have any problems blessing you. He just doesn't want the blessing to stop at you. So I've discovered this personally. Suzette and I have lived this for decades now, and I'm sure there's a lot of you that could say the same thing. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you, right? I, recently, Suzette and I went to a pastor's gathering, and I met a man there. Uh, that It was an interesting conversation because he is not a pastor, but he's a, he's a member of a good friend of ours church. And he's a very, really unassuming looking kind of guy. I mean, he just looks like an everyday person, really. His name is Dave Rich. And Dave Rich, turns out, is, was a convict that had been in jail for a number of years but he got saved at our friend's church. And when Dave Rich walked into the church, he was broke, he was broken, his life was like on the wrong track every way possible. And his pastor stood up and taught that it's God's desire to bless you, that it's God's desire to prosper you so that you can be a blessing in the earth. And something about hearing that truth from the Bible just lit up his soul with a revelation. And he began to see, I don't have to be the man I was. I can enter into the covenant of God and become someone who makes a difference in a positive way. Now, Dave Rich, and, and this is a church considerably larger than ours, but is now one of the top givers in that church. And one of the interesting things that I found out about him as he shared his story was he uses, he discovered he had an entrepreneurial gift uh, because he was taught about prosperity and blessing and he started using his entrepreneurial gift literally to generate income that he could give to his church to help his church resource the mission that God had given them. And he was at, at work on a particular idea like in the present moment where they're a multi-site church and he was was getting a hold of a piece of land that he intended to develop two-thirds of it and take the profits from that and take the other third of it and build a facility for the church to have another location. I'm thinking, this guy gets it. This guy understands what's going on here. 
When Paul was, the Apostle Paul was instructing the church in Corinth uh, for their endeavor offering, 2 Corinthians 9 records some of his thoughts. He says, this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He's setting them up for this offering that they're gonna receive to give to his ministry. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. In other words, he who sows sparingly is basically saying, what's the least I can do and get by? He who sows bountifully is the person who says, what's the best I can do for the glory of God? Verse seven, he says, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not under any kind of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Which I think is powerful to recognize that we understand the purpose of what we're doing today, that we understand the why of what we're doing today, that it's not, we don't feel any kind of condemnation, we don't, we don't do this begrudgingly, we do it because we get why we're doing it. The verse uh, eight says, God's able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I love the idea of understanding that God is a God of abundance. He is El Shaddai. He is the God who is more than enough. And I believe it takes an abundance mentality to move into generosity because if you don't think more is coming, it's very difficult to let go of what you have. Like if you just, if you just think of it as a pie and you can't give up pieces of your pie instead of a river that flows from the throne of God. And I know some of you heard me teach this for a million years and it's for the next million, I'm still going to teach it. We, we have to have a river mentality. We have to have an, a, the God is a God of abundance a mentality and not just a pie mentality. Abundance knows if I sow my seed, God's going to give me a harvest. Abundance knows if I release it, God's going to bring more into my life. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians 9, says, As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to sowers and bread for food, he will supply, he will multiply. In other words, if you want to give, God will supply a seed for you. He multiply your seed for sowing, and he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. God supplies seed to sowers, right? And I know oftentimes when we come to moments like this, people will go, I would love to participate, but I got nothing. And I just wanna say to you, you've got a seed in your hand. Your seed right now may be super small. Your seed right now may be enormous, but everybody 
has some kind of seed, some way they can participate. In a few moments, we're going to have our children even coming in to bring their little piggy banks because we want to teach our kids, hey, listen, this is your church. You don't, just, you don't need to just be a consumer of what is here at the church. You can be a positive contributor. You can be a participant in what God is doing in your church, even as a small child. And that's how it begins. It all begins in seed form. You start with your seed. And then verse 11 says this, you'll be enriched for everything. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church about their endeavor offering. I believe it should speak to us too. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality or all generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. How many of you think God is honored when his people are generous, right? So when we do all these things for these kids, when we do missions, uh, opportunities, when we reach people for Christ, when we today bring our very best to the Lord and uh, lay it at his feet, I mean, you know, God's honored when that flows with life and bigness. One of my uh, favorite Bible stories, which because I just, I love the whole picture of it, is John chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They made him a supper there. Martha was serving. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, filled with the fragrance of her generous offering laid at the feet of Jesus. Jesus Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Commentators will tell you that 300 denarii is essentially uh, a year's wage. Why wasn't, why wasn't this costly perfume worth a year's wage? We talked about, looked at the stat for Asheville for median household income, almost $50,000 in a year for, for an entire household. That's an expensive bottle of perfume right there. But it was this extravagant act of worship that Mary engaged in that etched her into the history of the Word of God that we still look at today and go, Wow, did she really love Jesus? Wow. You know what impresses me about Mary here is this, is that she wasn't looking for what's the least I can do. She was generous. She was extravagant in her devotion to Jesus. Our church can only move forward 
in its mission at the speed of our generosity. Can I say that again? Our church can only move forward in its mission at the speed of our generosity. Our, our commitment to reaching people for Christ is either accelerated or decelerated by our generosity as a church. Our commitment to missions, our commitment to endeavor, our commitment to excellence in the house of God, our commitment to move forward in God either gets accelerated by our generosity or decelerated by our generosity, right? I, I mean, I've, I've shared this during these past couple of weeks. I promise you, whatever you have to bring, to, to put in an offering, to help our church, we have a more than enough vision to use everything you bring. In other words, we've got more vision than we have resources. And we, I, I think that's a good thing. And I am, I am strongly committed to this idea that God has created a plan that resources his church's mission in the earth. And that plan is called tithe and offering. I know sometimes people go, Pastor, you're so uh, courageous or bold in talking about tithe and offering. And to me, it, it's not a lot of courage and bold. It's a lot of, this is what God said, and I've committed my life to live by what God says, right? And so it is God's plan. It is the way God's ordained that the church, the ministry of the, of the house of God, the ministry of his church would get resource. It's, it's a plan that works if it's engaged in. It's a plan that would provide fully for his church. It's also a beautiful plan in that it releases blessing to the church, but it also brings blessing to everyone who participates, right? There's, there, it's a win-win. <laughs> There's no losers in this thing. Mary's worship. You know, we love worship around here. We love to sing big songs. We like to lift those hands. We like to clap. We like to just get into it for sure as part of what we are. And that is a beautiful thing. And that has value in and of itself. But Mary's worship was not only just expressed in singing songs to Jesus or clapping her hands. Mary's worship was expressed in giving Jesus something of value, like a year's value, a year's salary value. I think it's an important thing to get this straight. I love my church, right? In other words, our approach isn't, we don't just go to church. We love our church. Come on. And, and we are more than willing to give our best to her. I read these verses a couple of days ago for our starting point, but I just want to swing them back around in front of all of us again. Psalm 26, verse 8, 
says, oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may be a dweller in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in his temple. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, zeal, passion for your house has consumed me. Ephesians 5 verse 25 says, Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. Come on, church, it, it is a place. And I know sometimes we go, oh, it's, it's not, you know, that's not that important of a thing. But the Bible says, I love the habitation of the house, the place where your glory dwells. But here's what I know. Church is not a noun. Church is a verb. Church is not just a place we go to. It's who we are. You and me together, we are the church. And if you say, I love my church, it doesn't just mean I love that building on Monta Vista Road. It's like, I love this family. I love this group. I love this thing called the Rock Church. This crazy thing called the Rock Church. And, you know, I think when we say, I love my church, I hope we know we're going past, this is, this is how my church makes me feel. I love Suzette. And I would say 98% of the time, she makes me feel great. But 2% of the time, she aggravates the heck out of me. It might be flipped the other way around as she looks at me. But you know, when I say I love her, that means it's not just about how she makes me feel, but it means I care about her well-being. I care about her dreams. I care about her health. I care about her wholeness. I care about our relationship. I want her to be happy. When we say, I love my church, that means I'm going to be a con contributor and not just a consumer of my church. I'm going to be a participant and not just passive. Can I remind you that we are not just here to be a bless me club. We are here to be a force of supernatural life in the earth. We... We are here to be a gate of heaven. Not, we're not just here to have happy little Sunday morning meetings. I like happy Sunday morning meetings. But we are all here to contribute something for God, for people. Hey, if it's ever been true, it's true now. Asheville needs God. We are his hands. We are his voice. And I think we can all say, okay, this is us. This is me. What kind of church do we really want to be? No one, no one drifts into greatness. No one drifts into health. 
No one drifts into strength, and no church does. What kind of church do we want to be? Well, here's what I would say. I want us to be a praying church. Amen. I want us to be a generous church. I want us to be an engaged church. Come on, if we're having a meeting, we're all having the meeting. Right? If the preaching ain't going good, it's just as much your fault as my fault. I want us to be an inviting church. Let me say, we're not just going to be a church that's trying to see what's the least I can do to get by. But we're going to be a church that has at our DNA, in our culture, we're seeking what's the best I can give for the glory of God. So I want to give you an opportunity to participate. Here's what we're going to do today. There's a couple of things I want to uh, help us with, just sort of ideas. We're going to have um, receptacles up front here. Ushers, you could go ahead and bring those up if you want to, uh, where we can bring our offering. A couple of things are going to happen here. One is, um, I know a lot of us are now giving online. So it would be hard to, you know, in other words, we already gave online or we're going to give online. I'm going to ask you to take one of these offering, tithe and offering envelopes that's in the seat backs. And if you would, just write your name and you could check off Endeavor and how much you feel like God has spoken to your heart to be involved in this. And then just write, we're giving online. Suzette and I, we, we contributed a bunch of our personal stock to the church so, so that it could be cashed out and used for endeavor. So I'd like for everybody to get an envelope so that you can participate in this moment. What we're gonna do is we're gonna stand in just a minute. We're gonna start to worship. And as we do, we're just gonna ask you to remain where you are for a minute. We're gonna let our kids come in bring their piggy banks down, uh, what they've brought for today. And then Pastor Justin will let you know uh, when everybody can come forward to bring our offering to the Lord. So let's all stand together now. Let's begin to worship. Let's let our kids come in. You wait a few minutes and then uh, we'll all come together.
Well, church, now it's time. If you filled out that tithe and offering slip, like Pastor was saying, go ahead and, and let's boldly bring these up and drop them in the bucket. If you do have your giving today, you may also put it in the buckets. Come on, let's join together in faith. Let's do this boldly for the Lord. Come on. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations in your family, in your children, in their children, in their children. standing there, would you just join me to pray right now? Maybe close your eyes. If you'd want to reach your hand forward uh, to this offering that we're laying before the Lord. Father, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to sow resources into 
the greatest cause on planet Earth, the building of your church, the advancement of your kingdom, reaching people for Christ, Father, bringing hope and life and faith and love into the world. So, Father, take these seeds that we are sowing today. Some of this is just a widow's might, but it counts in the presence of God. Some of this is enormous, and you've blessed us, and we want to be strong in resourcing your kingdom. Take all of it, God. Let your hand be on it. Turn this into fruitful ministry in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for every person that has brought a seed into the house of God today. The promise of your word is that you will watch over the increase of our harvest. And I am believing, God, for harvest both financially and beyond what finances could ever do. You bring a harvest into our lives. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Hey, let me just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just give me three more minutes. Just three more minutes. I just want to say this. Maybe you're here today. You've never received Jesus. Come on, let's open our hearts to him today. Maybe you are here today and you find that you're not where you used to be in your relationship with the Lord. Or maybe the truth is you just don't feel solid about your relationship and your commitment to Christ and you say, Pastor, I, I want God in my life, like in a real way, in a significant way. Would you pray with me? I just want you to lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to know for sure I'm right with Jesus. Anybody in here that needs to pray that prayer, come back to Jesus, come to him for the first time, make sure they're right. Amen. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Come on, just join with me. Let's say it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on. Thank the Lord.